Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio. Ringing your weekend just like we always do. This is Corey DLG and with me as always is little brother Nico. That's me. And we're hanging out here on this first weekend of October. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. <laughs> okay, alright. I mean, that sounds like it's the very basic, but uh, we'll accept it. Yep, that's usually how it goes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, man. Been a couple of weeks. What you been up to? Uh, just you know the huge tournaments and uh, doing poorly at them because I'm so skilled. You know, I tell my I tell people my little brother is like a card shark of the card games, mm-hmm. and every time we talk, they're like, "You came in last place. I came in forty uh, eighth." Out of 49. Uh, Look, I'm not saying the hot streak's over, but I am saying we're on the cooler end. The cooler end. Oh, man. Uh, That's uh, hardly inspiring. Yeah. You know, they say things go in cycles. It's fine. We'll get them next time. All right. Okay. Things go in cycles, he says. All right. Uh, Okay. Interesting. So, um, nothing, nothing else been new, just playing the card games, doing the thing? Yeah, pretty much. My whole okay. life has been subject to for the past 10 years of my life. All right. Way to really, you know, step it up with age. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, all that being said, uh, still a lot going on in the world, so we got some cool stuff to talk about, I feel like. Uh, we're going to be this weekend hanging out at Terrorfest. Are you excited about that? I am. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. I actually don't know what to expect because I didn't go to last year's Terracon. Yeah, no idea. It's going to be great. Oh, uh, they're going to have a lot of celebrity signings. Um, friend of the show, Chaz Von Graves is going to be there. He's going to be, I don't actually know what he's going to be doing. I think there's a film festival or battle of the bands or something. I don't know, but with a name like that, you gotta have. He's like gotta be like honorary invited, even if he wasn't like a guest or doing things. It's kind of okay. So Chaz is Chaz is my buddy. Uh, I've known him for a while now, and he and I are, are cool. And actually, we work together at Adventure Begins. Um, but like, he's always signed up for something. Like he is always, and <laughs> we kind of tease him at the store a little bit, like. Anytime you talk to them, people like, "Hey, if we're not doing this, uh, I got this thing I can go to." We're like, they called me up this morning and were like, "Hey, will you, uh, will you come host our event?" Blah blah blah. So I can go do that, like, or like, <laughs> we're like, "Hey, if we're not gonna do this, can uh, mind if I bounce out?" Because like, uh, I can host this thing over in Conroe today. So like, there's just always something that he can go. Like, he's like always booked with something. He's like a he's, he's like a local Ryan Seacrest. Like you can see him at anything. He goes to the world. That is yes. That is a great way to a local Ryan Seacrest. That is a hundred percent the way to describe Chaz Hargraves. I I can't think of another. Yeah, that's a hundred percent accurate. Also, we were lamenting my birthday recently. Uh, he bought me a beer, nice guy, and I was like, oh, I said, but I, I think I'm probably a little bit older than you. And he goes. Oh well, for sure you are. And then I was like, "Well, wait a minute. Like, we're like we have the same touchstone moments of pop culture like reference. So he's got to be close to me in age. But 
then after I said that I'm 40, he wouldn't say how old he was. Ooh. <laughs> Who knows? I was like, well, well, wait. And he was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, oh, man, what is this? And I think he said, like, it says on Wikipedia, but he says that that's wrong. They say anyone can edit those. Uh, I mean, that's all I do, actually, is just edit other people's Wikipedias for them. I like to just go into there and change their date of birth by one year. <laughs> Every week until they're infants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, man, man, I could have sworn he was turning 55 this year. Wrong. 54 again for the third time in a row. <laughs> this is the fourth year he's been 28. Wait a minute. That doesn't even make sense. Um, But yeah, I he wouldn't say. So now I'm on like a like, I need to know, but, like, I don't care, really. But, like, it kind, I kind of really want to know how old he is. <laughs> it's it's going to – it'll be like my last words on my deathbed. At least I died knowing the world was rid of Chaz Von Graves. And then he'll say the same thing on the other side of the world. And it turns out we died, like, within minutes of each other. Right, and he was not, in fact, younger than you. Or he was, in fact, younger than you and just never explained it. Well, what if we have the same birthday and he just isn't the same? Yeah. Oh, man. See, that would be even worse. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know. He could be, like... He's got to be around my age. He's got to be somewhere between... 38 and like 42, 43. He's got to be. Because like we have the same kind of references. Plus if you just timeline all the different stuff he was doing, the Rocket Queen when the albums came out and all that stuff, like at the very least he's got to be around my age. If not older. We'll never know. Or Apparently we will know. We won't. Yeah. We won't find out anytime soon. That's for sure. Um... Yeah, okay, so have you been watching Ahsoka? I have not. I have not kept up because I am a absolute cuboid. I, is that a bad thing? A cuboid? Yeah. What is that? It's a, it's, a, it's a cube. Oh, I thought it was some sort of weird child slang you were throwing at me. Oh, no. It's just a, it's a me word. I say that all the time. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I just, I didn't know if this was, if this was Liddy or, or, or Fire or... Or a cap, or no cap. No, it's just a, it's just a me thing. Okay, all right. Because I thought square was too basic, so I said cube, and then I was like, you know, it's funny, oh, you're cuboid. You are cube. I see. Yeah. I kind of like that. All right, I can get behind that. More advanced square. That's what I'm going for. It's kind <laughs> of my aesthetic. It is. It sort of is. So they just finished this first season of Ahsoka on Disney. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, the only thing I've seen about Ahsoka is the fact that they stabbed someone with a lightsaber and they didn't die. First time in Star Wars history we've seen that, I think. Uh, I think it happened in the the last of the new trilogy as well. Someone got stabbed and didn't die? Yeah. I Who? Uh, was it Rey that got stabbed? Someone got stabbed. One of the main characters gets stabbed with a lightsaber and they lived. I haven't seen him. He dies. He dies. Han Solo dies. 
No, yeah, dead. he did. He dies in the first one. In the Han last Solo, one, real dead. Han Solo dead, dead. Yeah, well, they stabbed him and he fell off a thing, so he's very dead. That's true. He probably did splatter after, so maybe he would have survived, but then he splatters. Yeah, it's bottom because it's a big fall because he's dead, dead. Yeah, super dead, very dead. Uh, status of Han Solo, dead, dead, dead. Um, um expect to see him in the next Star Wars movie. Uh. He was okay. in Indiana Jones. That was funnier. Man, he wasn't. You know, I listen. Good for him. Like they're just making all of his old stuff again. If I'm Harrison Ford, or if I'm a movie star, and I've made a bunch of movies uh, when I was like 30, and they were very successful, and then I'm 70, and they're like, "Hey, we want to make more of those movies. We don't want to. We don't even want to rewrite you out. Like we're not even remaking them. We're doing like weird, convoluted sequels." How do you feel about that? Like, why wouldn't I show up for five more paydays or whatever? Yeah, and it was like a bunch of different things all back to back. Because well, was the Blade like, Runner one, yeah, really kind of starts like, it. Yeah, Blade Runner. I mean, even if you want to be even more, like, go a little bit broader. Even like, what is it, two thousand? Oh, man, what year was what year was Crystal Skull? Oh, yeah, 2010-ish, because that was like the peak Shia LaBeouf Hollywood experiment. I think it was, I think it was like 2008 or something like that, because yeah, Transformers was 06. Yeah, because Shia, Bo- Shia LaBeouf is still the name to go to for young guy in Hollywood at that time. Yeah. I don't know why, but he was. He really was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I mean... I'm not. I don't even think I'm controversial when I say that. Like, nah, he was. I mean, he was. He was the even Steven, and then after that, he was like, it was like Transformers, and then there's a thousand of those, like Suburbia. Uh, I mean, it was just thing after thing after thing where like the biggest actor in it is Shia LaBeouf, and you can you can see them scale him up, right? So like Michael Bay is gonna get a big budget because he's Michael Bay, but then like Shia LaBeouf starring movies. Suburbia probably has like twenty million behind it, and then like from there they just scale them up, and then it gets to the point where, yeah, okay, we're gonna do Indiana Jones four, um, and you're gonna be the son to Indiana Jones, and you're gonna do all the action because Indy is like sixty seven. Yeah, and now he's seventy five million years old going into <laughs> Indy five or four. Well, five. Here's, here's the thing though. He kind of tipped his hand a little bit, but you're right. So, like, that starts it off. 2008, he does that one. And then, like, but really in the last seven, eight years, they've done three or four big Harrison Ford movies and, like, brought him back for all three, right? Yeah. But when even, he did, even if he's not, like, a super big role, this is the biggest one he's done, like, by far. The Indiana Jones? Yeah. I have I have not seen it, so I need to watch it. But uh, but yeah, I, he definitely. So here's what's interesting about all of this is he tips his hand doing press for Crystal Skull. He gets honest at one point during one of the interviews. I don't remember which one it was, but I remember reading it, and I remember just never forgetting it. Where he said what he wishes he had done is agreed to come back but that he dies early in the film. 
uh, and that was what he, he wanted to come back. He, he he said, you know, that way you you know you get. He said, you get the money, you get the work, you get to you're in the you know they can use you in all the trailers and kind of build you up. Uh, but then it's a good surprise for the audience. Plus, you don't have to work that hard. You're out there for like two three weeks. Yep. Um, and he said that during press for Crystal Skull. So when they came back for Star Wars, if you recall, I was saying right away on our shows that I don't think Harrison Ford makes out of the first movie. And you were right. And I, I really based that on what he said about coming back for these films. Yeah, uh, he was very much like, bring me back for just the one. I'm done after that. Well, I mean, hey, it's a great way to do it, right? Because these, these movies can take a year and a half, two years to make. Plus, you got to deal. Listen, I'm going to say this. You got to deal with the fans. You have to deal with like the the pop culture media now that didn't exist 50 years ago. Um, very true. It, it's got to be a lot harder to make these movies now than it was then. And why mess with it? Also, they did drop a door on him in Star Wars and he broke his foot. Yeah, no one said it was a clean shoot here. Yeah. So, like, if I'm him, I'm like, yeah, get me out of here. Like, the sooner the better. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, I don't see, I think it's great for Harrison Ford. I think it's amazing. And also, you know, I guess it was good for Shia LaBeouf, too, if we're talking about it. But, yeah, why wouldn't you, I can't think of a reason not to show up for these movies if I'm, if I'm old actor and they're bringing back all my old stuff for a minute. You know, the Blade Runner one seemed to be the one he was most happy and most comfortable with. But he's only in that one for about 20 minutes. He does like two action sequences and he's out. Yeah, he's really only in it for that little piece at the end. Um, but ultimately, it, it is an interesting kind of moment in his career. And I think it's great for him. But to kind of bring it all back to Ahsoka, uh, it's just kind of an odd... It's sort of a weird thing. Rosario Dawson is, is, is very well cast. But where they pick up this story is, is very weird to me. This is essentially a continuation of the Rebels series. So, like, when Rebels ended, Sabine was supposed to be learning how to be a Jedi from Ahsoka. Uh, and Ezra was supposed to be trying to stop Thane from doing something, and they wind up shunted off into another dimension. Everyone thinks the Rebels that they're dead, but Sabine has known this whole time that he's alive for some reason, and they find these people who are trying to track down Admiral Thane, essentially in another dimension. When they did their warp speed, there was an issue, and they basically wound up somewhere way, way off course. And so now they're going to go find Thane and bring him back. Thane, Thrawn, Thrawn, Admiral Thrawn, and bring him back. Um, it's a really cool... It's, this is very obviously a Japanese-themed story. As a matter of fact, towards the end, Admiral Thrawn calls Ahsoka a ronin, uh, a masterless samurai. Um, so I think that's a really telling kind of moment for her and for the show. But they do a lot of stuff. Um, so basically Thrawn, when he winds up on this other planet, he crashes his uh, ship, his whole Star Destroyer. 
crashes on the planet. And he basically rallies his contingent of stormtroopers and they rebuild the Star Destroyer from scratch. What was it? Um, and he finds the Night Sisters. This this planet they're on is where the Night Sisters are, and he uses their magic to like aid his power to aid his stormtroopers. Um, and the first time you see them, it's fairly obvious that him and his ship have gone through it. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to look up the word right here. There's a word category or something along the lines of this. That's Japanese. Oh, Kintsugi? Where they mix gold into broken items. Kintsugi, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's because the Japanese sort of celebrates the idea of repairing broken things and making them better, not just repairing them. So when you finally do see Admiral Thrawn in, in the show, him and his stormtroopers, they're, the armors are put back together. It's wearing several iterations of armor. Red armor, white armor, black armors. But it's laced with gold everywhere. Uh, and there's tons of like... They're using straps to hold different gear on and equipment on. Like It's obvious that they've, they've been out here for the last kind of 15, 20 years just roughing it. And dealing with it as they could. And they've maintained their military order and structure through the will of Thrawn. And it's kind of a cool idea. Like a lost unit or contingent that just kind of holds it together for like through the nature of a military hierarchy, like in a lost world sort of thing. Like imagine if a spaceship was loaded with Marines and it crashes on a on a lost planet, not on a starship, on a star map. And they're just like they just maintain the order of rank in order so they don't just go native and kill each other and struggle. Through the conflict, they rise. <laughs> it's kind of a cool idea. Uh, but then Ezra's been also on this planet, like, in hiding. And, like, helping people where he can and becoming, like, this super force monk, basically. Where he's, like, swirling it around like a hurricane. Um, it's It was an interesting show, but it ends kind of really odd. I don't want to. I don't want to say too too much about it, but it has kind of a weird ending that really kind of, I think, is sort of a bummer. So is it sad? Do people die? Um. No, actually, it's probably for a lot of people. It's probably a happy ending. Um. But like, I always assumed that. Part of the story of Rebels was, I know there, there's an age difference between the two of them, or there's meant to be a bigger age difference, but it doesn't feel that way. I always thought there was some sort of potential between Ezra and Sabine as like an interest, a romance, mm-hmm. and they end up on different planes. Everyone's alive though. Different planes, maybe. And so it, again, it's sort of the same concept of like it's. They basically kind of leave things completely different, but in the same way that they were at the start of the show. Which I guess is a very kind of Japanese version of storytelling. Right back where we came from. Like, the order of things is never really, truly broken in a Japanese folk folk story. Yeah, that's true. Most of the time. Yeah, for the most part, like, in Japanese folklore, like... Something will happen, but, like, it's still... It's always meant to be... 
and it always brings it right back to the beginning, right? So even mm-hmm. if it's a different character on that same arc at the end of it, they're going to do the exact same story, basically. Or a similar story. Something along those lines. And that's all, that kind of, that's, or they're going to, you know, they're going to parallel it. I should probably, that's probably the right way to say it. Um, but that's sort of the feeling you get that at the end of this show, like, yeah, this whole season could happen again. Just the other way this time. Although it really can't because Ray Stevenson, uh, his character's still alive at the end of this season. Uh, he's he's passed. Ooh. And what was most interesting about the way they portrayed his character is he also should have been kind of referred to as a Ronin, but really he actually acted more like more like a great Jedi than Ahsoka does. Ahsoka is clearly still on the path for good. Whereas he is on some sort of neutral quest for power. Which is definitely an interesting direction to take a Jedi slash force user slash whatever. So like the whole show, every time they kind of talk about motivation, he talks about because his apprentice that's with him, there's a couple he has a couple in the beginning. He basically had a bunch of younglings with him when Order 66 happened. And he disappeared when Order 66 was given. Uh, and him and his younglings that he's had, he's still trained them. Uh, and they've been mercenaries this whole time. Champions. Which, which is kind of a neat story, because by, by this point, there's like three of them. Him and two, two of the children still remain. Um, but, like, they all just use Sith swords now, so, like, they don't really care. Um, however, by the time... Every time they kind of talk about motivation or why we're doing this or what the plan is or why do we want Admiral Thrawn or like anytime it's kind of brought up to him, he kind of is consistent in the sense that he feels the force is pushing him to a greater power, that this is going to unlock a greater power to the universe or in the universe, that there's something leading him on this path. And so it's not necessarily like he is serving the Empire or serving Thrawn. He's on some sort of quest for discovery. So like he's not even really evil. It's kind of a, it's sort of an interesting journey that a lot of these characters are on. But he's not necessarily like a antagonist so much as he is like an obstacle. Uh, no, actually, I would say he's probably a true antagonist because he has motivations that just cross paths with the protagonist. Because remember, in classical storytelling, protagonist and antagonist don't mean good guy, bad guy. Because there are bad guys, and Thrawn is clearly a bad guy. Yeah, but their 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 goals aren't necessarily opposed to each other. No, no, they're not, and that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes him an interesting antagonist is that his goals. There might be times when Ahsoka, if if Thrawn wasn't part of this equation, that Ahsoka probably would have helped him. Um, but because part of his journey is finding Thrawn, because he believes finding Thrawn will lead him to this power. Then they're then they're opposed, and and their fight, by the way, is fantastic because he has more of a power sort of stance and usage of how he fights, very like traditional British sword knight kind of feeling, versus Ahsoka's kind of speed and uh sort of quick sword play. You know, it's it's very clearly like a samurai versus knight 
kind of duel that they try to portray between the two of them. Neat. It, it, it really, there was a lot of cool moments and things and homages, obviously. There's a lot of, uh, can't think of the guy's name, Kir, Kurosaga, uh, the guy who does all the, like, the Seven Samurai and all those different old Japanese films. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of that kind of reference and homage in these, in the, uh, in the Ahsoka story. It's very quickly, it's very clearly Dave, uh, Filoni, is that his name? Yeah, it's very clearly Dave Filoni just kind of loving up on on Japanese culture and pop culture. But uh, the Kintsugi, the Kins, the Kintsugi, what is it? Kintsugi, Kintsugi. Yeah, the Kintsugi is really great. Also, the finale does one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I'm just going to say it: zombie stormtroopers. Oh, we're finally putting the zombie stuff back in Star Wars after 200 years. Well, yeah, I, I think so, they did. Isn't there one episode of the Clone Wars with it? I think there's like a nightmare where they where they do something with zombies. Or if there is, it's got something to do with the Night Sisters because it's it's the Night Sisters who do this one. The one from Legends was, uh, I think, like a. It was like a galactic ship that gets like destroyed by like a literal like Last of Us like fungus style like infection. Is that what is that one in? Uh, it's in one of the old Legends books. It's like a they oh, like a, it's a star destroyer that gets like uh, like abandoned. Oh, because it's full of zombies. <laughs> Wouldn't want to go there. Um. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed the show for the most part. I didn't love the end. I think the end was sort of kind of left a weird feeling. It definitely feels like okay, they want to do more with these people, right? So I hope that goes well for them. How would uh, you compare also, it to some of the other Star Wars stuff that you've seen? So I would say it's very much like Book of Boba Fett, which which has sort of one goal. It's like Book of Boba Fett was about how Boba Fett takes over. Uh, is it Tatooine that they're on in Book of Boba Fett? I think so. And he becomes basically the new job of the hut. Um, and becomes the new crime lord of Tatooine. This is sort of similar in the sense that it has a very clear mission of the of first episode, and it takes you on a very quick journey through the story, through the lore, into that moment, and then they kind of go from there. Um, I think the Mandalorian stuff is probably better because it's bigger. But I, I do, I, I did enjoy all of this. I think it's, I think it was really well done. None of this has been poorly done so far. And I think other than Grogu in Mandalorian, nothing is very poorly like animated or puppeted. So I think that I think I think it's pretty. I think I think it was pretty good. If I was saying where does it rank, I probably put this last season of Mandalorian as the best season so far. And then probably Ahsoka. And then Mando 
to Book of Boba Fett Mando 1. Really? Mando 1 is the last place? I think so, but just because it was... I don't think anyone expected it to do what it did. So I don't think... Yeah. I think they kind of held back some stuff. Be a Western. That's right. Yeah, it really was. Like, they were just like... But I also think they were still kind of holding their breath to see if it would work. Whereas by yeah. the time they do Book of Boba Fett, they're kind of like, hey, let's just get to it. And bringing back the guy who is the stormtrooper, like, bringing back the guy who plays Cody and all that. Like, I just think they, they made some some interesting choices. Also, they had a giant angry Wookiee in Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, that is fun. That's always a good time. I love the Wookiees. They're so underutilized. They really are. I mean, fearsome, right? Crazy. Crazy scary. And then the next season of Mandalorian is like this where he is going around and deals with Luke Skywalker and does all this stuff and has the dark. And then this last one has been about kind of rebuilding Mandalore. So, like, I mean, I don't know. You can't really get too crazy with it, right? Yeah. I mean. Half of half of Boba, half of Boba Fett is just <laughs> two point five Mando, anyways. That's true. Am I? Yeah, there are three seasons of Mandalorian. I was like, am I crazy? Yeah, there's three. Yeah. Um. Ooh, John Favreau says. Season four story is already written for Mandalorian. Unsurprising. I like the idea that it's already written, though. Yeah, they have. They kind of have a very pretty clear direction on kind of where they're moving. Oh, really? What do you think is going to happen then? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm saying, like, they have. They they know what they're doing. That's fair. That's fair. They probably do. I, I would agree with that. Um, a lot of other stuff going on. What do you want? What do we want to talk about next? What do you, you got? Anything you want to bring up? Oh yeah. So I just finished uh, Fiona and Cake, the sequel slash spinoff of Adventure Time. Okay, I was going to ask you if this was related to Adventure Time because they seem like familiar characters. They are. Uh, okay. So, in the original uh, Adventure Time, there was a like a two episode like little mini like funny thing where they just took all of the characters in Adventure Time and gender bent them. So instead of Finn the human and Jake the dog, it was Fiona the human and Cake the cat. Yeah, that's funny. And so, like, all the princesses were now princes. The Ice King was now the Ice Queen. Yada yada yada. You get it. I got it. I got it. Uh, So that was just kind of like a fun little kind of side thing that they did for just like two episodes for fun. And it was always super popular because people love doing that. It was the internet. It was like 2010 or whenever that happened. Right. Um, And so this series is actually a direct sequel to Adventure Time. Um, where these characters aren't just like a funny, like, oh, one note thing. Like, they are they have their own universe. Like, it's part of the grander lore. <laughs> That's kind of uh, cool. So, like, this is in their world. Yeah. Uh, because in, in Adventure Time regular, 
Fiona and Cakes actually like uh, is is a fan fiction written by the Ice King, and then come to find out that it wasn't just a story that was written; it was written by uh, there's a character called Prismo, the the Wishmaker. So his power is very broken. Is someone named the Wishmaker, where he can grant people wishes, and that usually creates another universe. But he's not supposed to do that. Uh, he's not supposed to do it on his own. He's supposed to grant other people's wishes. Uh, but he was like, I'm going to write this story. It's going to be really funny. And so that was given to the Ice King and basically stored in his head. The Ice King at the very end of Adventure Time is healed and reverted to his regular human self. Uh, and that takes all the magic out of Cake and Fiona's world. And so now they're one, now they're like regular people. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a very, it's very cute. It's very like introspective. It really finishes uh, the Ice King's like character post Adventure Time. It's really like, it's really sweet and introspective and very, very, very sad. Um, and quite interesting. It's it's a really interesting thing that Adventure Time has kind of like evolved and grown over the years, uh, because there's this and then there's the Distant Lands. Which is also on HBO. That's like, I think it's like five or six episodes of it, and they're all like their own self-contained stories that are like all a part of the Adventure Time universe. It's very okay. good. I think they've done a good job of kind of, and I haven't seen any of it, but like the way you always explain it, I think they've kept it very neat. Where sometimes when they do spinoffs, they don't necessarily do a great job of fitting in. But I think that that's probably more just because like this era of pop culture is like, no, no. Everything has to make sense. Yeah. So it, it's it was very it was very very good, and there's so many like little tiny details, like all the different characters, even like the background characters and characters that don't matter at all. Like seeing them in like Fiona and Cake's world is like hilarious. It's it's a really it's a really good watch, especially if you're a big fan of Adventure Time. You're gonna love it either way. I'm pretty sure if you if you are a fan of Adventure, you've probably already seen it. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've seen it on the HBO. I, I need to kind of check it out. I suspect you got you uh, got to watch Adventure Time. It's it's long. It's like ten seasons long at this point. Okay. But I, I feel like it's a it's definitely a story that it grew up with the fans. So like the first few seasons are very goofy, very childish. But like by the end of it, and it's funny because it's executive Fiona and Cake's executive produced by Adam Muto, which is the uh, the voice actor for Finn. Oh yeah, that was fun. Um, and like Finn literally ages with him because I think he starts the show when Finn's like thirteen or fourteen, and that's when he how old he is. And so like every year the show goes on is this he's the same age as Finn. So now he's like twenty six or twenty eight or whatever he is, and that's how old Finn is in this universe. That's kind of funny. That's a cool thing. I dig that. That's neat. I like that. Um, one thing that's been exciting that we we're kind of touching on now, uh, the writer's strike ended after almost 200 days, six, six months, basically. Um, and the writers and the writers basically got what they were asking for at the very beginning. Uh, the studios could have made that offer at any time. Again, I think for one of the studios, what they were asking for was 0.003% of their revenue the year before. Uh, 
on some level, it's sort of stupid. It took six months, but I am glad they got it worked out. Uh, John Oliver and Bill Maher wasted no time in releasing episodes. So it seems like everything is back to normal. I'd be going crazy because one of the reasons I have HBO Max is I watched Real Time with Bill Maher and uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Um, although lately, Bill Maher's been kind of a, it's he's been it's been a rough watch. He's sort of he's turning into grumpy old man. Uh, oh, grumpy old man. Well, you know how sort of like some of these issues that are brought up in today's politics are more relevant to younger people. They matter more to young people. Uh, and old rich white guy doesn't understand why those issues are important to parts of the party that he's been a part of forever. And so like he makes fun of those things. And it's sort of, it's sort of, I feel bad for him because like, it's so obvious that if this were 20 years earlier, he'd be on that on the side of it. So, like, it's just sort of weird to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's when when things no longer appeal to you. He's just he's just out of it. Well, like, okay, I'll give you an example that seems obvious to me. Uh, the Florida Governor Ron DeSantis going after Disney because Disney said they were not okay with the bill targeting uh, a group of people. And that they would actively try to fight it and subvert it. The idea that an acting sitting governor and the government of Florida itself would retaliate against a company exercising its First Amendment rights should be the thing that blows everyone's minds. Like, it shouldn't even be a debate about what what they're talking about. Like, that should be in the background, I feel like. Really, the bigger thing should be, wait a minute, wait a minute. The government is punishing them for having a political belief. Like, like that's completely against the Constitution of the United States. Like, it's the First Amendment, right? So, instead of hearing that be said, he talks about how it is weird that Disney wants to do this. And I'm like, how, are, how is that where you're focused on this? Again, missing the forest for the trees here. Yeah, a little bit. Like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe Disney's in the wrong on the position, and I don't think they are. But maybe maybe they are. However, the response is shocking and embarrassing and appalling, right? Like, the government punishing someone for having a political belief? That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's a, that's what we call not to schmooze. Right. Uh, so, like, things like that. I feel like where he is missing the force. That's probably the best way to say that, Nico. Um, but I, I do still like listening because he's kind of the only. Typically, he used to be the only kind of sane voice in like television politics because he does kind of call things balls and strikes when he sees them. But he's starting to kind of age out, I think. I think it's sort of a, I think some of this stuff is over his head a little bit. Um, but I'm glad everything is back because it's just been such a obnoxious period of TV. Like entertainment has gotten rough. Live sports have been the only thing that was worth watching. <laughs> Football uh, deck, baby. Okay, we don't we don't do this a lot, but we've kind of got a lull here, so I wanted to do this. Uh, I, I love uh, getting on Reddit and and seeing the "Am I the Jerk" stories. Yeah, I love I love when they're like 
super obvious that they are or they're not. So okay, so this one I think is super obvious, but I can one hundred percent see this being a fight every couple would have. Okay. All right, let me give you this example here. All right, lay it on me. All right. So am I the jerk for telling my wife she has to stay home to watch the kids until she replaces the nanny she fired because I work from home? Okay, so then it goes into the story a little bit. Just from the headline, though, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it sounds pretty suspect. It sounds like you think maybe he's in the wrong a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my wife, Danielle, 33, has a job that requires her to go to the office every day. I, 42, work for my home office. We have two children, two and four. We had a nanny, Esme, whom we hired after we moved to this city for my wife's job. We do not have family in this city. Esme was with us since we got here six months ago. She was excellent at her job, and she was a pleasant person in general. Danielle got it into her head that Esme was going to try and get me away from her. She fired her. It was a ridiculous assertion. I love my wife, but she insisted. She then proceeded to kibosh any nanny that the agency sent, even the male one, because she thought it was weird to have a male nanny. She wants me to watch the kids since I'm home anyway. I said that there was no way that was happening. I bring home 65% of our income. I cannot watch the kids and work. I have dealt with this temporarily by inviting my parents to stay with us so they can watch the kids. Danielle hates this. She likes my folks, but she doesn't like having them here 100% of the time. However, neither her mom or dad are able to help. I told her that if she wants my parents to go home, she either has to replace our nanny or she has to stay home to watch the kids. She says that I'm the jerk for devaluing her work and expecting her to watch the kids because she's the woman. I'm not. I think she created the situation and it's her responsibility to deal with it. Now, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I mean, oof, that's tough. It's tough. See, I, def- I don't think this is really that tough. I think it's super clear cut that she created the scenario. Yeah, like in like her like weird like. Which pre- is fine. Like- Listen, if you if you're uncomfortable in a situation, fine. But if we're gonna do this to appease your discomfort, you have to be you have to be a bigger part of the solution. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make some weird like. You gotta, no, you gotta, you gotta make some weird. some sacrifices. You gotta make some some decisions. You I, can't I have you can't have it both ways. I don't think weird. I think she just has to hire another nanny, and I don't think I don't see that. Like if she's saying they can't have any women in the house, then there's a bigger issue, right? Well, I mean that's what she said earlier. If you if you because he says like oh you can't like because she proceeded four. to kibosh any nanny that the agency sent. Yeah, including the male one. Right. So, if she doesn't want a nanny, then yeah, she kind of she has to she has to be the one to do it because they already had that we already had that system in place, right? And now you're the one who wants to change it. Okay, yeah, well, it, if you want to change be, it, you have to do something, right? And it'd be different if the kids were older; it would make more sense. It's like, oh, you can't deal with the kids; they're not even there half the time. It's like two and four is young. True. Yeah, two and four, you are hands on. Also, him bringing home sixty five percent of the income, uh, I think, is relevant too. In the sense that, like, it would hurt more if he lost his job, so he should be focusing more on his job than she should. Right. 
So if she wants to be the one to watch the kids, if, if she wants one of them to watch the kids, it needs to be her. Right. And I'm not saying that out of a women need to stay home thing. I'm saying it out of a you could probably make it on 65% of your income. You probably can't make it on 45% of your income. Right. I mean, that, that to me feels a little more obvious. Yeah. But I mean, there's always, it always comes down to the situation of like what workloads actually look like. Cause like taking care of kids is a full-time job. A hundred percent. Uh matter of fact, they just did one of these on Netflix where the dad was a stay-at-home dad and it was one of the money shows like oh let me show you how to balance your budget or something mm-hmm. and the wife made like like 20 grand a month in sales but she would spend money on herself but would get mad if he would spend any money so like he wants to buy a mountain bike and she was like she was like for what you stay home and watch the kids so like he wasn't allowed to do stuff but she was allowed to go out and do stuff because it was her money. Mm-hmm. And so then they kind of had to, the guy basically had to break down the, the little coach was like, what I do at every house, regardless of who's the owner and who's not, you have to evaluate like the He can't get another job while the kids, he can't look for another job and interview for another job while he's also watching the kids. Watching the kids is a job. And the house is paying for it through you paying the bills. So they like worked out that she would give him money and then just leave that money. Like whatever he wants to do with that money is, is whatever. Um, and then she also changed her tune on the kids though, because she took two days off from work to watch the kids for him so that he could build his resume. He's like, cause the, the, the coach guy was basically like, yeah, it's going to take, a full day's work to make a resume and to get it out to companies and recruiters and do the initial interviews and stuff that doesn't happen, you know, bing, bang, boom. And so the wife was like, okay, fine. Like I'll, I'll," so she took two days off. She stayed home. And by the end of the two days, she was like, yeah, it was, she was trying to like work from home, but it was so like, she was like, this is impossible to do. You can't work from home. Uh, And it's like, yeah, no, duh. That's why people get child help. So I, I think, also, just having been around a bunch of little kids, like, the more hands that are helping, the better. Yeah. And, I mean, the nature of the work, like, if he has to be, like, laser-focused in, like, he can't watch the kids and work. Yeah. But although, you could also, I could definitely see the argument of, like, oh, you're just on your computer all day. Like, if if, if his work-from-home job is, like, oh, I reply to seven emails... So uh, but, I, but I have to. But I have to. I have to be. I have to be locked in. It's like no, no, you, don't. <laughs> you really, you don't. But so here's the thing. Uh, I have light days and I have crazy days, right? Right. And but I never know what, which ones is going to be until the day gets going. No, yeah, for sure. So I think that's sort of an important. Like it's. Hard oh, I mean, but I feel like that's. I feel like it's a lot of jobs too. Where like sometimes Probably. it's crunch times. You got to. You got to. You know. Buckle the hatches and everyone's got to do their part. And other times you're replying to seven emails and that's your whole day. And the rest of the day is just be kind of just checking on stuff and making sure everybody knows that I'm here. One of the something. One of the funniest videos I ever seen in my entire life was like right. It was like right in the middle of the pandemic. Some guy was like, 
finally got me a remote job and he's got seven laptops in front of him. And he's like, I make a million dollars a year. <laughs> oh, Lord. And then all the comments are like, I found out why it's so hard to apply to these jobs. He's got them all. <laughs> Uh, yeah i think that that's you know i i have a hard time when people say like they have a hard time finding jobs i still have there's still something innate in me that says like you could always like it's not a fun job but you could always go wait tables or do pizza delivery like if there are things you could do in the short term to put cash on the table right. uh, but they're not fun and they're they not fun they're, they're not well. good they're not gonna make you yeah they're not gonna treat you well like you're gonna be treated like garbage, and you're gonna want to quit the second you walk in the building, uh, and they're and they're gonna mess you up. Although, I recently read that the pizza places have now all moved off of their policy of not paying you your full wage when you're delivering pizza. Yeah, that was just highway robbery. They were just stealing money from you guys. Yeah. So okay. So the federal law says minimum wage is applied. While you are there, as long as you're doing your task, unless your task can can reasonably anticipate being tipped as part of your compensation. So, like, technically grocery store drive, uh, grocery store people, grocery stores don't have to pay, like, baggers full rate because they can expect reasonably. People used to tip the bagger when they would follow them to their car and put it all in the trunk. Um, grocery store stops paying those people two fifteen an hour because basically then all of a sudden nobody was bagging. Um, but it used to be bagger was like its own job. Like it was okay to be a bagger because you would make, you know, 60, 70 bucks in cash on your way out. Plus get a, a grocery store check, you know, every two weeks or whatever. Um, and what pizza places wound up doing is once the computer systems were sophisticated enough that they could track your hours, when you would clock a delivery out, for the time that you were away from the store on delivery, they would pay you a, uh, a lesser rate of four and some change instead of the full seven fifty minimum wage. And what will wind up happening is when you get your check, you would see these two different numbers. It would be your in-store hours and your delivery hours. And uh, it basically costs about half of the, the wage. I went from making... About a thousand dollars a month in hourly wage to making about five hundred a month between two checks. So it went from getting checks that were like four eighty, four seventy, to all of a sudden getting a check that was like two twenty five. Um, and then like you would get two of those and you'd be like, oh, okay, okay, I guess. And then like you're supposed to still make it on your tips and everything. So suddenly it went from where pizza delivery, uh, you know, here in. You know, low-income little spring Texas. I was in in twenty two thousand and eight. I was I was making a living comfortably, making three grand a month as a pizza delivery driver. It was a thousand dollars in wage plus, you know, five hundred bucks a week in tips, and I would do okay. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when I went back to it in like 2013, 2015, it was it was miserable. It was miserable, and I was probably making. Like seventeen hundred dollars. First of all, people were tipping less, but then on top of that, it was you're getting less. Everywhere you turn, it was just less. 
And now, I guess after over a decade of doing that, the pizza places have now backed off, and you get your full hourly wage the whole time you're delivering again. Which is the way it should have been. Hey, well, what it should be, I remember a million years ago when I when I worked at Jason's Deli and doing caterings, they flat out said, the owner of Jason's Deli said, the catering driver should be like the highest compensated position in the company. They should make a good hourly wage and then walk out with crazy tips from all the big caterings they work to the point where everyone in the store should be working on a career path to try and cater one or two days a week. Uh, and so I remember working at Jason's Deli and, and yeah, they did. I was, I think it was like nine, eight or $9 an hour back when minimum wage was seven fifty. Uh, and then also on top of that, you, I would keep my tips. The problem was they just, just not enough places order consistently order business for my, my spot on the ladder. I was like the fifth, uh, catering driver. So like I would take one or two big orders and then like just be running lunch, like lunch bags to offices the rest of the time. Whereas like the top guys were taking seven or eight catered orders. And then by the time they done with all of that, lunch is over so like they they would make big bank and i would make like eh, about half of what they would make but drive a lot more to do it yeah so who's really the winner here yeah it, I mean, it was still okay it was still good for for at the time it was better uh it was better than pizza at that time because pizza was already doing the, the lesser wages and all that but it was still just not it was already it was kind of obnoxious being that low on the totem pole. Because you'd see guys like you're like I would beat them back to the store, and they would have their orders set aside, and I'd be like, "Okay, but I'm back. Like I can take that." And they'd be like, "Yeah, that's that's for Ryan, though." I know this is yours, but nah, yeah. he's not yours. I know you beat Ryan back, but that's not that's not how we're doing it today. And I used to get frustrated. I would get frustrated about that. Um, but yeah, so that kind of wraps up our show today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure you enjoy your weekend. Make sure you enjoy your month of October. We're going to be back next week. Um, we are going to be at TerraFest this weekend. And then uh, we're gearing up for Extra Life. Make sure to check out the Adventure Begins, the Adventure Begins uh, Facebook page, the Adventure Stadium Facebook page. And also, we're going to be participating and kind of wrapping up the last like seven, eight hour little mark there with a D and D campaign that I'm building for these crazy guys. Um, but yeah, thanks for hanging out. We have a great month ahead of us. So we hope you have a great month as well. This is as always nerd thug radio. <laughs>